This podcast is offered through the Sacred Community Project, an inner spiritual collective working to lower the barriers of access to contemplative and devotional practices. Through the universal teachings of love, service, remembrance, and truth, SCP utilizes modern technology to promote eternal values. Learn more at sacredcommunityproject.org. Hi. This is Sita Ram Das, today's host of the SCP podcast. And today I'm here with Sita Lozoff, who is the co-founder of the Prison Ashram Project with her late husband, Bo Lozoff, as well as Ram Das, uh, all the way back in 1973. She's presently the spiritual director of this project, which is still thriving for almost close to 50 years. Uh, she's taught mindfulness on North Carolina's death row for years and continues to send out hundreds of free books uh, to people on the inside. And so now I would like to just say, welcome Sita, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Nice yeah. to be here. One thing we could start with, um, I think in a lot of worlds, a lot of people know who you are. I mean, especially in the, all the, the prison spiritual support service organizations that have blossomed uh, over the years, a lot of people really look to you and Bo as some of the people that really started this movement. Um, that said, I think uh, a lot of people maybe outside of that world uh, might not be familiar with who you are. And so I'd love just to hear from you just a little bit about your background and also how the Prison Ashram Project started. Well, Bo and I were both born Jewish and um, and I was raised by atheists and um, it actually was not until I picked up Be Here Now that I had my first uh, spiritual awakening this lifetime. Um, it just did it for me. You know, Ramdas talks about how he had the feeling of coming home uh, when he met uh, Maharaji. And that's the feeling that I had when I read Be Here Now. I felt like I was finally home. It was just uh, just amazing. And, um, you know, so I convinced Bo, and it really took convincing to uh, read Be Here Now. And that same year, um, our brother-in-law, Bo's sister's husband, uh, got a sentence of 12 to 40 for smuggling a lot of marijuana from Jamaica. And uh, Bo and I uh, went to uh, Terre Haute, Indiana to visit him. It was the first time we ever went into a prison. And uh, and on the drive home, Bo said, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I feel some kind of connection to prisons. Mm. I don't know what that means yet, but we'll wait and see. So um, so we read Be Here Now and uh, Bo invited him to uh, speak at Duke University. I, we live in Durham, North Carolina, and that's where Duke is. And uh, and Ramdas said yes. And uh, it has, was actually a couple of months after Neem Karoli Baba died. Mm. And he was, uh, he had come, it was December of 1973. And uh, this year is 50 years. Okay. Uh, this, this is the 50th anniversary of, uh, of that meeting. And so uh, Ramdas spoke at Duke University and he told us at the time, he said, you know, I've been sending copies of Be Here Now 
to prison libraries all over the country. And I'm starting to get mail back from people in prison. And I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed by it. And Bo said, you know, we just visited our brother-in-law. We feel some kind of connection. Why don't you send us your mail from people in prison? And that's how the, that was the birth of a prison ashram project. It was, uh, and uh, Ram Das gave us money out of his pocket. Uh, it was Hanuman Foundation at the that time. And, um, and then we became so big ourselves, like around uh, mid-1980s, that we started the Human Kindness Foundation, had our own uh, foundation. And Bo wrote, we're all doing time. Uh, in the mid '80s, also, and um, and my dear friend, I hear the same thing from people in prison when they read "We're All Doing Time" as what mm-hmm. I felt when I read "Be Here Now." Yeah. I'm home. I'm finally home, and I've read it. I mean, I I I read hundreds of letters a week, and I I read it over and over and over again. You know, I'm just so grateful for all this. Yeah. Well, and uh, I'll share uh, early on in my spiritual journey, you know, I, I came across that book, We're All Doing Time. And uh, just, it really uh, awoken something, you know, deep in me. And uh, it, it was a big part of my own path of just finding my way into the path of service. Um, of course, Ramdas was at the the forefront of that for me, but but that book in particular and the work that that you and Bo have done uh, has been a huge inspiration in my life, and so uh, I, I I can attest to that just the the power of that book. And what brought you into the uh, prison work? What was your attraction to doing prison work? That's a great question. I, I really, early on, you know, it was a quote uh, from Stephen Levine uh, that early on in my journey also awoken something for me, just this idea of keeping the heart open in the midst of hell. And, you know, I've, I've had a big, for me, social justice work and systemic issues and all of these realms that... Um, the human cause suffering, you know, existing. I've never been able to separate that from my spiritual path. And so for me, like unconditional love, if, if it's really real, which I have faith that it is, but if it is really real, then it's not just something that you experience in a hot tub on Maui, right? It, it means something even deeper than that. And so that's probably what I can put words to from that. It, it's not something specific. It was just, it was really just a, a deep calling, just that there's, there's people suffering and um, and that it's really, I think, one of the, the blind spots of our overall culture, right? Just the, the way that Clearly. we treat people. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's what I'd love to hear from you is, so doing this work, and I'm thinking about, so when I think about 50 years, I think about the reality that uh, you've formed deep connections with people having life sentences and maybe you form those connections all the way back in the 70s and 80s and so not only have you been doing this work uh, for a long time but also forming long-standing relationships with people um, who are in on the inside um, 
How has that impacted your own spiritual journey? How has wisdom deepened for you? What are some of the lessons that, that you've learned along the way? Well, uh, truly, and I'm not exaggerating, one of my dearest friends is on death row in North Carolina. And I spoke to her. Uh, she's uh, transitioned into a, um, a female. And I spoke to her for an hour this morning. We mm. speak frequently. People, uh, a, people in a lot of prisons have tablets uh, now. It's just the most wonderful thing to to happen inside a prison. All our books are on tablets, and other books and podcast. This podcast will go on the tablet. She'll be able to listen to it. But um, but clearly, she's um, uh, a really dear friend. And right now, um, we're, she's helping me uh, with my memoir. I'm writing my memoir. And uh, we spent an hour just talking about different possibilities. I might go in this direction, or this may or may not be right to put in a memoir. And so, um, I mean, she's clearly the first and easiest one that comes to mind we're we're very very close there's no question about it and i've known her since the mid 90s okay uh, bo and i uh did a workshop at uh central prisons death row she's been on death row for 40 some years and um in the mid 90s and that's when we first met and then um lost the relationship for a while and then, um, as you said, I uh, taught uh, mindfulness for three years. Uh, they actually ended up kicking me out for un what they call undue familiarity. And it had to do with uh, my friend Priscilla James. She was calling me and they didn't tell me you weren't allowed to do that. Uh, so, um, but we still connect by phone. And um, yeah. anyway. Um, so it's been a lot of years that she and I have been uh, close. And and we kind of recognize that this is not a first lifetime uh, connection. You know, we can, she's a Buddhist. Uh -huh. and, and we can kind of recognize that we felt familiar to each other from the very beginning. We yeah. kind of knew each other. You know, like they say in Avatar and other movies now, I see you. Mm. <laughs> So that makes me wonder, so for instance, I've, uh, on my own service past, I've, I've done a lot of work in hospices and, I, and I've worked with people that uh, are dying, know that they're dying and, uh, you know, forming intimate relationships with people where death is there. Um, but also generally in, in those relationships, right, there's, um, even though it can be kind of nebulous, there's still some time frame, right? People know that they're dying in a few months or maybe six months or a year. And I'm just thinking about the reality of someone in a North Carolina prison where uh, death row might mean something different than let's say in California where it exists. And of course you're gonna feel anxiety about it, but you know, in California, it's been a long time since someone's been executed. Um, yeah, what what is that like to just have relationships with people where death is right there, and um and what's that like for for you just to to experience that love in the midst of um that reality? Well, it's intense. It it brings you know Ramdas has talked about actually visiting uh, I think San Quentin's death row, uh, where he said you know 
he he would go from cell to cell and and the guys were right there there's you're not bullshitting when you're mm. right on right on the edge and uh and it's been intense however we do happen to have a democratic governor and there has not been an execution since 2006 okay. and the very next execution was supposed to be my friend priscilla james she was four days away from execution uh when uh they started this day of executions and boy is she getting a chapter in my memoir i mean her chapter is called priscilla james four days uh, wow. Because it's an amazing um, and touching story because her mother had come to say goodbye and there was a meeting um, at the prison and um, and the chaplain walked up and put his hand on his mother, her mother's shoulder and uh, her mother all of a sudden just straightened up and smiled and um, that happened right there and it's um it's intense and beautiful and um you know it's just one of the wonderful things that have happened in the world and she's completely fine to doing her you know finishing out her time even though she will probably never see uh outside this uh prison it'll be okay with her mm. um she she knows how to do her time she's um loving to the other people who I mean, her community is on death row. That's her spiritual community. Uh -huh. And uh, and she can do it and accept it and be helpful right where she is. And she knows it. And the other thing, um, I was going to say this at some point in this uh, meeting, but on Wednesday uh, evenings from uh, 7 to 8, we do this thing called uh, Together Apart, where people inside and outside of prison um uh just sit together and send blessings to the suffering people in the world and priscilla james is one of the people who started that mm. she and her and some a couple of muslim brothers started it and they invited me to to just join at that time and we put started putting it in newsletters and uh, now we have hundreds maybe thousands of people sending blessings to all the suffering beings in the world uh, on Wednesday evenings. And I invite you and uh, anybody who hears this to please join us. Yeah. That's an incredible thing. I, I, I think the main thing that's coming through is what I'm hearing is um, the work that you're doing uh, in prisons that you've been doing. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's an element where you're being helpful by sending books and, and doing things. But what, what I'm really hearing is that um, this is really about satsang. I mean, this is just about you uh, being in spiritual community with people that uh, just happen to be in prison and, uh, and you're forming like really deep, real relationships that, I mean, to me, the, the way you're describing your friend Priscilla, I mean, it sounds like, uh, like you really have, like, like your your path is benefiting from from knowing this being. There's no question about it. Um, they're really, um, it's you know, as I told you, I I was born a Jewish, and and here I am, a middle class Jewish girl from Philadelphia, and all of a sudden, I'm working with people in prison, and and the first time I ever went into a prison, I felt like I was sitting in my living room. 
Mm. And and Bo and I surmised that we were in a prison together in a in a birth uh, previous uh, to this one. And um, you know, I'm just doing my dharma. I I that's all I'm doing is that I'm getting up every day, and uh, Maharaji keeps guiding me. You know, I keep asking him for help when I'm stuck on something. And uh, he keeps guiding me, and I'm trusting that. It's happened for 50 years. It's been working. Mm. Yeah. And I, I can I can really you know, relate to that. Something that just came to my mind, just you sharing that, is before COVID, and it's something I'm planning to get back into, but, you know, I... Uh, one of my main service things with prisons was going in and, and singing Kirtan, which is a big part of my practice. And um, and the first time I did it, I didn't I didn't fully know why, um, but it just became clear very quick because on the outside, if I'm going to a yoga studio, um, there might be a couple of people that like pull out their phones and like whatever, snapping pictures right during this like spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. But but in there, I mean, really like. Uh, people were really sincere. And so it, it was deeper. It was a deeper practice for me in that space. And, um, and the terrain, the, the walls, like the walking in, all of that disappeared just very, very quickly. And, uh, and the fact that that's possible um, is both really beautiful, but then there's also this bittersweet part where you, you talk to people at the end and um I'm meeting people that it's very clear to me that um, they've done more self-work than a lot of people I've met on the outside. And I don't know what they've done. I don't know the stories, but it is clear to me that that they're not a harm to anyone. Um, yeah. And yet I get to leave and they're still there. Um, and I'm just curious, how can you speak to that? Just, just there's this beautiful human connection. There's us doing what we can. And then there's also the reality that there's all these systemic forces at play and, um, you know, there's, there's people behind bars that didn't do anything. Right. I mean, there's the, the, the whole spectrum of just the unfairness of it all. And how do you relate to that? Well, I, I'm sure you've read it because Ram Dass has talked about it in, in the past, but when we first started this work, uh, he said that it's very important for us that we maintain a balance between the perfection of everything in God's universe and the suffering, the blood at our feet. And that's been like my main spiritual practice. Mm. I mean, I do Hanuman Chalisa every day. And when on Wednesday nights, I do 11 of them. Um, But I'm working on the practice, you know, what uh, Thich Nhat Hanh used to call sorrowful joy and joyful sorrow, that it's all connected in that uh, whole thing. And and I've cried. I mean, I still cry over letters. There's uh, no question about it. But the people who are writing to us want to be uplifted and they want to know that there's still some reason for them to stay alive and there's still some meaning. So I can't stay in that Mm. in that space of uh, sorrow and pain. I have to I have to move so that I can I can help them uh, feel what they're actually writing to us for. And and I do my best uh, to do that. Sometimes it's harder uh, than others. Uh, uh, For instance, in the uh, um, mid-90s, 
a man wrote us, uh, he was in a dorm uh, situation and uh, and he said, I want some advice. Um, should I risk my life to try to keep somebody from being raped in my dorm? Mm. And um, and Bo and I just uh, felt, you know, how do we respond to something like that? Uh, so this is the mid 90s. And yeah. so we wrote three letters. We wrote a letter to Swami Chidananda. I don't know if you know him, but uh, wonderful saint. Um, and he's gone now, too. And um, from Rishikesh and Thich Nhat Hanh and His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. And, the, and we actually got a fax back. This is what the years of fax from the office of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, saying uh, this is too uh, sensitive and intimate to talk about in this kind of way. Why don't you come to Dharamsala? And mm. so uh, that was our first trip to India. And um, and we we went to our elders. And, you know, the truth is, is that we never actually or, or I don't remember if it actually happened. We didn't get an answer to that uh, specific question, but we spoke with his holiness for uh, for a whole hour. And he also wrote the introduction uh, yeah. to the uh, one of the um, uh, world doing time. And, uh, and it was extraordinary. But also uh, knowing that there are. Um, that there are people out there like His Holiness, like Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu. I don't know whether you've seen Mission Joy on Netflix. I recommend that to everybody. Um, but these are people who have uh, seen the most intense suffering uh, possible, and they there's still a way that they can feel joy, and they're they're teaching us. Uh, how to do it. And I think that's what people write to us uh, for. Mm -hmm. How can I still feel okay, even though I may never get out? You know, even though I've done something horrible that I just can't take back. Uh -huh. You know, what do I do about all that? And so, um, you know, I'm, I've been blessed, you know, with uh, Ramdas's help, with Maharaji's help, with, with the help of other elders uh, to to feel comfortable about how you know how to respond in those kind of ways because I believe it I truly believe that they can feel joy where they are. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and so I'm hearing that that's a part of uh, your seva is really to be able to hold that hope um, even in times when when maybe someone else. Um, when someone else isn't necessarily quite ready to, to hold it yet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I also think that's really beautiful. So I knew that you and Bo had met the Dalai Lama. I think maybe I saw a picture or something and I knew he had written the Ford. I didn't know that the story of, of how that happened. And th there's something really beautiful about that because, I mean, you were really sincerely asking for help and, uh, and what, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. I believe in elders. I really do. You know, hopefully I'm on my way to becoming uh, an elder. And, um, but I believe in uh, elders. I've gone to Ramdas many times when I've been stuck and, um, and he has given me responses 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've I found miss him greatly. Oh, yeah. Me too. And that maybe that's something we could talk about a little bit because I imagine um and some of the world you traverse, right? It's not necessarily so Ramdas Ford, but this is something that is a shared love for both of us. Um what can you say about just having this long-standing relationship with him and just how that changed over time and yeah what can you tell me about about Ramdas maybe some just fond memory or story you have or just just something well he in the early days he used to just visit to hang out i mean we saw um the empire strike set back together for instance uh we smuggled a pizza in and uh, he helped us uh, hammer a few nail- nails when we were building our house. And, uh, you know, so we had we had a friendship, uh, clearly, as well as a depth. However, there was one period of, uh, of a few years. I, I can't tell you exactly when it was when he uh, deliberately stopped talking to us. Because he wanted us, uh, and he, we figured this out later, or he told us later, he wanted us to have our own relationship with Neem Karoli Baba instead of using him as our guru. Mm. Um, he he did not want us to see him as uh, a guru, and so uh, and it worked. You know, we we turned to Maharaji. Um, and then, uh, and once it was pretty clear that we had done that, then he kind of came back into our lives, and we could we could have more of a friendship, um, as well as you know he's was always our elder um, um, in that kind of way. I mean, my whole life's work, my whole life is um, what he started us on. I just, I mean, I feel gratitude every single day. Um, so. I love him. I, I yeah. sing. I sing to him and Maharaji together mm. uh, as a unit I, when I do chalices in the morning. I sing them to them together now. Mm. Yeah, me too. I. It's something that. I, you know, because the thing about Ramdas is, um, I knew from living with him that he wasn't really fully comfortable with people putting his pictures on their puja tables and things, and so. I'd really internalized that. And so even after I moved out of the house, like I just didn't do that, right? Because it was like, I wasn't allowed to. Um, but something <laughs> you about- allowed, You weren't allowed to or or, you, or it was discouraged. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like discouraged, you know, but it just, right. it felt, yeah. But after he left his body, after he died, um, it was immediate. It was just overnight. I went and I just had some pictures developed and just, you know, he's just there with Maharaji and- now in, in in my heart, really, I mean, it's there's no difference. You know, if, if I look in it in Ramdas's eyes, it's just I, I see Maharaji. Um, I'm the and, same way. I, I feel exactly uh, like yeah. that. It's uh, it's the same to me. Yeah. Even though you know, when when um, when Bo died, I asked uh, I asked Ramdas. I said, I said, where is he? And has he had? Um, has he had Maharaji's darshan? And he uh, and he emailed me back. This was uh, in 2012, and he said he's already taken another birth. And yes, 
He has had Maharaji's darshan, and you will too, Sita. Mm. And uh, I, I know I can feel the, I can feel the chill in your body. I've got one in mine also, and uh, it remains there. So he saw. I mean, the reason I'm even bringing this up now is that he he saw Maharaji as separate uh, yeah. from him. And he feels that I'm going to have Maharaji's darshan when I when I die. Uh, so I, I'm just saying that to, you know, uh, it's I do enjoy singing to them both at the same time. But there is something about uh, about uh, waiting for and expecting Neem Karoli Baba's darshan when uh, when I leave this body. Yeah. Yeah. He promised me. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and so I guess that's the other piece, and this is something that interests me, is that uh, you've had now a lifelong relationship with Neem Karoli Baba as your guru, uh, but you didn't meet him in the body. And um, I'd just love to hear a little bit from you just how that relationship has changed over time and and how, how how you can speak to that now, just the the role of the guru in in your life, and and how that drives your your service work, how it drives everything. Well, uh, Bo, when Bo was a child, uh, his uh, his father uh, had a stroke when Bo was nine years old, and the family just went crazy. Mother had to go to work, and they you know. They, he was the youngest, and really, the whole family went wild. And he started having dreams about who he called his magic man. Mm. And uh, and he, he feels like the dreams saved him from the horror of being a nine-year-old uh, child in excruciating pain and not knowing what to do. He said he would he would meet this magic man every. You know, whenever he would dream about him. And, um, and you know, I, I told you that Be Here Now, you know, literally changed my life. But I believe that it was Bo who recognized Neem Karoli Baba uh, from, uh, from Be Here Now and um, said, you know, this, this was my magic man. This was, mm. the, this was the man who saved me. And so... Uh, so I, you know, I brought us um, be here now, and and he he brought us the Maharaji connection. You know, I've never said that to anybody before. I've never even thought of it before mm. this moment, but I I believe it's true. I believe that he he made that first connection uh, there from from his dreams, and then we just started. You know, in talking to Ramdas would would tell us like immediately, it's not me. It's not me you're attracted to. It's Neem Karoli Baba coming through me. So we just we just kept we just believed him, yeah. and just kept you know and and doing Ram Mantra, Hanuman Chalisa. That's the the thing that you connect with. And and I've had a couple meetings with Sidima in, in India mm. uh, uh, about this, and and she absolutely. Uh, told the, told us the same thing. It's just connect in that way and keep it. Just keep it going. Mm. Just just keep it going. You can't do too much. 
And so um, that's what I've been doing. And as I said, I've never actually thought of it in those words um, before this moment. But I do believe that um, that Bo actually recognized Neem Karoli Baba at some point. And uh, and we both uh, joined in that kind of way. Mm. Yeah, no, I feel that. It brings to mind too, uh, so just recently I had a conversation with uh, Ramdev, Dale Borglum, uh, who uh, is the director of another nonprofit that initially started under the Hanuman Foundation, right? And I know um, him well. I, I am, yeah, I figured, I figured that you would. Um, but something that he said is that essentially what he's learned along the way and that really his core stance is that it's not his living dying project. It's, it's Maharaji's, right? I mean, yes. he's just, he's just there doing it, but, but it's really Maharaji's running the show and that the more and more he can remember that, uh, you know, the more things tend to go a little bit smoother. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. I agree. And I really try to, I mean, I try to remember that I wear, these beads help me remember it. These were given to me by Priscilla James, and they just help me. I do Ram Mantra uh, on it, and they it just helps me to remember that I am uh, Maharaji's instrument for the Prison Ashram Project, and 50 years of, of him trusting me mm. to, uh, to guide this project in the way that we are. Yeah. Beautiful. I I love hearing uh, that Ramdev said that. Beautiful. Yeah. Give him my love next time you talk to him. I will. (laughs) I will. Um, When maybe that could be uh, a final transition before we we close out is just thinking about uh, the duration of you doing this and what can you tell me about where uh, the project is now and how do you see this continuing to evolve into the future? And especially as you, um, you know, uh, surrender more and more to your role as a wise elder. And I imagine you're probably doing less and less of like some of the day-to-day tasks with like running things. And um, as you're preparing for just this and just thinking about the future and um, what what can you tell me about about the organization today and the direction it's headed? Well, we do have a a new executive director. She just started her second year and we have an operations manager and you're right. They run, they do the details of uh, keeping a large project uh, together. And I'm, I just, I write to guys inside. That's Mm. all I do is I, I actually go to the post office. I pick up the mail. I take it home. I slit it open. I, I read it. I code it. I put it in the computer. I do the packaging. Um, and joyfully, I can hardly believe how fortunate I am. Uh, but as I was telling you all uh, earlier, one of the wonderful things is this thing called Edovo, which is uh, on, it's a prison uh, specific ta- uh, uh, app for tablets and books and uh, and people are even seeing uh, Ramdas's uh, Here and Now podcast and they're writing core copies of Be Here Now. These are people in prison. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that's a thing of the future. I don't know, maybe the books will become obsolete, but I think um, I 
I think I'll probably be gone uh, before the books are obsolete. But in the meantime, I don't, I'm I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm happy. Uh, people are still happy to get letters from me. I'm now mother and grandmother to uh, uh, to a lot of the people inside, uh, which is wonderful. I I love that uh, that I have aged as enough for people to see me in that kind of way, and that uh, uh, you know that I'm that to them. So I would say um, the tablets are a thing of the future. And um, and also um, going to uh, Duke University, UNC, get, getting more community and helping other people uh, work inside. But these are things that the executive director, Aaron Parrish, and our uh, operations manager, uh, Kristen, are doing. I'm just writing to people in prison. That's all it's that's all I'm doing at this point, really joyfully. Yeah. I- I mean that that sounds really really lovely. Um, I just I hear the spacious around it. Like you just really get to, uh, you get to just be in this spacious place as as you're responding to everyone. And uh, I mean, what a gift to that that's that gets to be your primary offering now. Yes, what a gift. Mm. And then, if anyone listening uh, is feeling inspired and wants to support uh, your organization. Um, yeah, how can they get in touch? How can they get involved? How can they donate? Humankindness.org. There it is. One word, humankindness.org. Check out our website. We have we have uh, 50 years, almost 50 years of newsletters, uh, uh, books, uh, music. We have a ton of stuff. Uh, on there. Um, and uh, you won't be sorry if you check this out. And of course, there's a way to, there's that donate button. And we, our project is run on donations. It's supported by donations. So we would love any help we can get in that kind of way. Humankindness.org. Awesome. Uh, and then finally, is there anything else that you just feel inspired to share before we end today? I don't think so. I think uh, I think we covered it. This was lovely, very enjoyable. I yeah. had a really good time, and it was wonderful meeting you and and reading your website and learning about what you're doing and um, carrying carry on. We're doing the work of uh, the saint of service. Mm. We're doing it. Yeah. No, but I mean, really, I really just want to express. Uh, my gratitude. Uh, yeah, you're, you're someone that I really see as a, a wisdom holder and uh, a big part of me inviting you on this podcast, uh, besides the fact that I felt like it would nourish a lot of people is uh, just really just for me, it's just a chance for me mm-hmm. to just be in this space with you. And so I, I just want to just publicly acknowledge that, that I just, I'm, I'm really grateful to be in this space with you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this tremendously. Okay, well, all my love to you and Ram Ram. Ram Ram, dear friends.